Chapter Ten of Raspberry Jam by Caroline Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A confession. Don't you dare touch me, Eunice Embry cried, stepping back from the advancing figure of the burly detective. Go out of my house, Ferdinand. Put this person out. The butler appeared in the doorway, but Chain waved a dismissing hand at him no use blustering mrs embry he said gruffly but not rudely you'd better come along quietly than to make such a fuss i shall make whatever fuss i choose and i shall not come along quietly or any other way i'm not intimidated by your absurd accusations and i command you once more to leave my house or i will have you thrown out eunice's eyes blazed with anger her voice was not loud but was tense with concentrated rage and she stood one hand clenching a chair back while with the other she pointed toward the door be quiet eunice said mason elliot coming toward her you can't dismiss an officer of the law like that but you can demand an explanation i think shane you're going too fast you haven't evidence enough against mrs embry to think of arrest explain yourself no explanation necessary she killed her husband and she's my prisoner hush up shane let me talk interrupted driscoll whose calmer tones carried more authority than those of his rough partner it's this way mr elliot i am a detective and I saw at once that if the doctors couldn't find the cause of Mr. Embry's death, it must be a most unusual cause, so I hunted for some clue or some bit of evidence pointing to the manner of his death. Well, when I spied that little medicine dropper, half full of something, I didn't know what, but... Here he paused impressively, but there was no bottle or vial of anything in the cupboard from which it could have been taken there was no fluid in there that looked a bit like the stuff in the dropper so i thought that looked suspicious as if someone had hidden it there i didn't see the whole game then but i went around to a druggist and asked him what was in that dropper and he said henbane he further explained that henbane is the common name for hyacinamin, which is a deadly poison. Now the doctors were pretty sure that Mr. Embry had not been killed by anything taken into the stomach. So I thought a minute, and like a flash, I remembered the play of Hamlet that I saw last week. I guess everybody in New York went to see it. The house was crowded. Anyway, I have proved by Mrs. Embry's engagement book that she went one afternoon to a matinee, and what closer or more indicative hint do you want? In that play, the murder is fully described, and though many people might think poison could not be introduced through the intact ear in sufficient quantity to be fatal, yet it can be, and I read an article lately in a prominent medical journal saying so i was interested because of the hamlet play if i hadn't seen that 
I'd never thought of this whole business. But if I'm wrong, let Mrs. Embry explain the presence of that dropper in her medicine chest. I don't know anything about the thing. I never saw or heard of it before. I don't believe you found it where you say you did. Eunice faced him with an accusing look. You put it there yourself. It's what you call a frame-up. I know nothing of your old dropper. There, there, lady, Shane put in. Don't get excited. It only counts against you. Mr. Driscoll here wouldn't have no reason to do such a thing as you speak of. Why would he do that now? But he must have done it, broke in Miss Ames. For I used that bathroom of Eunice's, and that thing hasn't been in it since I have been here. Of course not. And Shane looked at her as at a foolish child. Why should it be? The lady used it and then put it away. Hold on there, Shane, Hendricks interrupted. Why would anyone do such a positively incriminating thing as that? They always slip up somewhere, said Driscoll. After committing a crime, your criminal is bound to do something careless that gives it all away. Mrs. Embry, how did that dropper get in that medicine chest in your bathroom? I scorn to answer. The cold tones showed no fear, no trepidation, but Eunice's white fingers interlaced themselves in a nervous fashion. Do you know anything about it, Miss Ames? N no, stammered Aunt Abby, trembling as she looked now at the detectives and then at Eunice. Well, it couldn't have put itself there, went on Driscoll. Who else has access to that place? Eunice gave no heed to this speech. She gave no heed to the speaker, but stared at him, unseeingly, her gaze seeming to go straight through him. Why, the maid, said Aunt Abby, with a helpless glance toward Elliot and Hendricks, as if beseeching assistance. The servants must be considered, said Hendricks, catching at a straw. They may know something that will help. Call the maid, said Shane briefly and as neither of the women obeyed, he turned to Ferdinand, who hovered in the background, and thundered, "'Bring her in, you!' Maggie appeared, shaken and frightened, but when questioned, she answered calmly and positively. "'I put that dropper in the medicine closet,' she said, and everyone looked toward her. "'Where did you get it?' asked Shane. "'I found it.' On the floor. On the floor? Where? Beside Miss Ames' bed. The girl's eyes were cast down. She looked at nobody, but gave her answers in a dull, sing-song way, almost as if she had rehearsed them before. When? This morning, when I made up her room. Had you ever seen it before? No, sir. Why did you think it belonged to Miss Ames? I didn't think anything about it. I found it there, and I supposed it belonged to Miss Ames, and I put it away. Why did you put it in the medicine chest? The girl looked up surprised. That seemed to me the proper place for it. 
whenever i find a bottle of camphor or a jar of cold cream or anything like that i always put it in the medicine chest that's where such things belong so i thought it was the right place for that little dropper did i do wrong no maggie driscoll said kindly that was all right now tell us exactly where you found it i did tell you on the floor just beside miss ames bed near the head of the bed well miss ames i guess it's up to you what were you doing with this thing i didn't have it at all i never saw it before come come that won't do how could it get there i don't know but i didn't put it there the old lady trembled pitifully and looked from one to another for help or guidance of course she didn't cried eunice you shan't torment my aunt cease questioning her talk to me if you choose and as you choose but leave miss ames alone she faced her inquisitors defiantly and even shane quailed a little before her scornful eyes well ma'am as you see i ain't got much choice in the matter here's the case you and your aunt and mr embry was shut in those three rooms nobody else could get in come morning the gentleman is dead murdered one of you two done it it's for us to find out which unless the guilty party sees fit to confess i do i confess cried aunt abby i did it and i'm willing to go to prison she was clearly hysterical and though her words were positive they by no means carried conviction now that's all posh declared shane you're saying that ma'am to shield your niece you know she's the murderer and eunice flew at shane like a wild thing she grasped his arm and whirled him around toward her as she glared into his face quivering with indignation coward she flung at him to attack two helpless women to accuse me me of crime why i could kill you where you stand for such an insinuation say you're some tiger shane exclaimed in a sort of grudging admiration but better be careful of your words ma'am if you could kill me wah there the last exclamation was brought forth by the sudden attack of eunice as she shook the big man so violently that he nearly lost his balance say you wild cat be careful what you do you are a tiger yes aunt abby giggled nervously mr embry always called her tiger i don't wonder and shane stared at eunice who had stepped back but who still stood like a wild animal at bay her eyes darting angry fire now mrs embry let's get down to business who's your lawyer i am declared olvid hendricks i am her counsel i represent mrs embry eunice say nothing more leave it to me and first shane you haven't enough evidence to arrest this lady 
that dropper thing is no positive information against her it might be the work of the servants or some intruder the story of that housemaid is not necessarily law and gospel remember you'd get in pretty bad if you were to arrest mrs sanford embry falsely and my influence with your superiors is not entirely negligible you're doing your duty all right but don't overstep your authority or rather don't let your desire to make a sensational arrest cloud your judgment that's what i think mr hendricks said driscoll earnestly we have found the method but i am by no means sure we have found the criminal lestways it don't look sure to me eh shane clear enough to me the big man growled but he was quite evidently influenced by hendrick's words however i am willing to wait but we must put mrs embry under surveillance under what demanded eunice her beautiful face again contorted by uncontrollable anger i will not be watched or spied upon hush eunice begged elliot try to keep yourself calm it does no good to defy these men they are not really acting on their own initiative but they are merely carrying out their duty as they see it their duty is to find out who killed my husband and eunice gave shane another stormy glare they cannot do that by accusing two innocent women if you two women can be proved innocent nobody would be more glad than me shane announced in a hearty way that was really generous after eunice's treatment of him but it beats me to see how it can be proved you admit ma'am nobody could get into mr embry's room except you and miss ames don't you i don't admit that at all for the murderer did get in and did commit the murder therefore there must be some means of access oh and just how can you suggest that an intruder got in and got out again and left those doors fastened on the inside that i don't know nor is it my business to find out maybe you think a flying machine came at the window ma'am for nothing else could negotiate a ten-story apartment don't talk nonsense but i have heard of keys that unlock doors from the outside skeleton keys i think they are called yes ma'am there are such sure but there are keys and they unlock doors these doors of yours have strong brass catches that work only on the inside snap bolts they are and when they are fastened nothing from the other side of the door could undo them but i say hear you ferdinand the butler came forward his face surprised rather than alarmed and stood at attention what do you know of events here last night shane asked him nothing sir and ferdinand's face was blankly respectful you better tell all you know or you'll get into trouble could you could you make your question a little more definite i will when mr and mrs embry came home last night were they in good humor i don't know sir you do know 
you know your employers well enough to judge by their manner whether they were at odds or not answer me man well sir they were i should judge a little at odds oh they were in what way did they show it by quarrelling no sir how then by not saying anything but it's not uncommon for them to be at odds sir speak when you're spoken to after mr embry went to his room did you attend him i was in his room yes mrs embry was in her own room then yes her outer door was closed yes and therefore fastened by the snap bolt yes i suppose so don't you know so don't you know that it must have been yes and then then when you left mr embry's room when you left him for the night did you close his door i did and that of itself locked that door yes i suppose so stop saying you suppose so you know it did you have lived in this house two years you know how those doors work you know your closing that door locked it didn't it yes it did i turned the knob afterward to make sure i always do that ferdinand now seemed to be as discursive as he was reticent before and i know miss eunice's mrs embry's door was locked because she had to unbolt it before i could get in this morning but look here driscoll broke in are these doors on that snap bolt all day isn't that rather an inconvenience not all day vouchsafed ferdinand they can be turned so the bolt doesn't catch and are turned that way in the daytime usually but and driscoll looked at him intently you can swear that the bolts were on last night yes sir you can't hendricks shot at him the lawyer had been listening in silence but he now refuted ferdinand you don't know that mrs embry put on the catch of her door when she closed it i do sir i heard it click you are very observant said shane peculiarly so it seems to me no sir and ferdinand looked thoughtful but you see it's this way every night i hear the click of those locks and it sort of seems natural to me to listen for it if it should be forgotten i think it my duty to call attention to it a most careful butler on my word chain's tone was a little sneering he is indeed eunice defended and i can assert that it is because of his faithfulness and efficiency that we have always felt safe at night from intrusion by marauders and you did lock your door securely last night mrs embry i most assuredly did i do every night but that does not prove that i killed my husband nor that miss ames did then your theory i have no theory mr embry was killed it is for you detectives to find out how but do not dare to say or imply that it was by the hand of his wife 
or his relative she glanced fondly at miss ames and then again assumed her look of angry defiance toward the two men who were accusing her it is for you to find out how said mason elliot gravely it is incredible that mrs embry is the guilty one though i admit the incriminating appearance of the hennebane but i have been thinking it over and while mr driscoll's surmise that the deed can possibly be traced to one who recently saw the play of hamlet yet he must remember that thousands of people saw that play and that therefore it cannot point exclusively toward mrs embry that's so agreed driscoll who went with you to the play mrs embry my aunt miss ames also a friend mrs destournay and i understand you went yourself mr driscoll why single out me for a suspect the haughty face turned to him was quite severely critical true mrs embry why should i the answer is motive you must admit that i had neither motive nor opportunity to kill your husband mrs destournay let us say had neither opportunity nor motive miss ames had opportunity but no motive and so you we must all admit are the only human being who had both opportunity and motive i did not have motive eunice flashed back you talk nonsense i have had slight differences of opinion with my husband hundreds of time but that is not a motive for murder i have a high temper and at times i am unable to control it but that does not mean i'm a murderess not necessarily but it gives a reason for suspecting you since you are the only person who can reasonably be suspected but hold on driscoll don't go too fast said mason elliot there may be other people who had motives remember sanford embry was a man of wide public interests outside of his family affairs suppose you turn your attention to that sort of thing gladly mr elliot but when we have proved no outsider could get into mr embry's room why look for outside motives it seems only fair to my mind that such motives should be looked into now for instance embry was candidate in a hotly contested coming election that's so cried hendricks look for your murder in some such connection as that election to what growled shane president of the metropolitan athletic club a big organization hm who's the opposing candidate i am replied hendricks quietly you well mr hendricks where were you last night when this man was killed in boston hendricks did not smile but he looked as if the question annoyed him you can prove that yes of course i stayed at the turan was with friends till well after midnight and took the seven o'clock train this morning for new york in company with the same men you can look up all that at your leisure but there is a point in what mr elliot says 
I can't think that any of the club members would be so keen over the election as to do away with one of the candidates. But there's the situation. Go to it. It leaves something to be looked into, at any rate. Mused Chain. Why didn't you think of it for yourself? said Hendricks, rather scathingly. It seems to me a detective ought to look a little beyond his nose. I can't think we have got to in this case, Shane persisted, but I'm willing to try. Also, Mrs. Embry, I'll ask you for the address of the lady who went with you to see that play. Certainly, said Eunice in a cold voice and gave the address desired. And now we'll move on, said Shane, rising. You ain't under arrest, Mrs. Embry, not yet but I advise you not to try to leave this house without permission. Indeed I shall, whenever and as often as I choose. The idea of your forbidding me. Hush, Eunice, said Hendricks. She will not, Mr. Shane. I am her guarantee for that. Don't apprehend any insubordination on the part of Mrs. Embry. Not if she knows what's good for herself was Shane's parting shot, and the two detectives went away. End of chapter 10